grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Ladies, in this modern world where we wear our boss pants on the daily, let me ask you a question. Are you leading your partner around by the dick? What I mean by that is, are you paying their bills? Are you reminding them to pick up the towels? Are you packing the dishwasher because they don't pack it the way that you want it packed? Well, guess what? That is going to have a big effect on your sexy time. And tonight, Sindra and I have a pretty transparent conversation about women's need to control and get everything right and men's penchant to sort of let us get on with it, but how that can impact us in the bedroom. Jasmine is also going to be talking about the top three things that she wished she knew before she experienced her first orgasm. And there's a bit of gold in there for both women and men in getting that big O across the line. We've got a fascinating discussion coming up with those two ladies tonight. I'm Louise Wilkinson and you're listening to After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. I like to be fairly transparent on this show and I think a couple of times over the time that I have been presenting this, I have mentioned that in my day-to-day life, I kind of have to wear the boss pants. Parenting, looking after my employees, all that stuff. And when I get home, I just want to drop all that and be girly. Well, Cinder and I are going to have a good old girlfriend bitch because <laughs> it doesn't always happen like that. And it's a bit of an issue when it does. Cindra, coming to us live from Bangkok, and I might tell you that although it's radio and you can't see it, she has the most glorious pink and purple cornrows in her hair, uh, (laughs) glowing skinned because uh, the humidity is sky high in Thailand and living a best life. I'm not jealous at all. How are you, my love? I am great. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, basking in the heat, however loving it, because I don't like the cold, hence why I'm here. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, if there was somewhere you were going to get away from the cold, it would be Thailand, wouldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. She said to me before we got got on air, she said, oh, it's cooled down a bit. It's only 35 today. So... (laughs) Look, compared to 42, it's, it feels like a really big difference. So I'm actually like not sweating every moment of the day, which is nice. Excellent. Excellent. Well, look, <laughs> um, I'll take my, my green-eyed monster glasses off and we will talk about today's topic because it is an important one. And that is masculine and feminine energy and how we've kind of got it a little bit ass about in mm. today's society. So- Interestingly, like this has come up for me in my relationship and then I started kind of looking into it a little bit and then I started talking about it and then all my clients have been like, oh, my God, Syndra, that story that you shared about being in my masculine, that really resonates with me. I do that too. So I think it's really like a bit of a thing for a lot of women and something that's absolutely preventing us from like 
A, being supported and kind of like being held in our relationships and B, like severely impacting our intimacy. Oh, my God. You are so right. And just as a, a helpful aside, I was for those of us out there who are mamas, I was reading this article uh, yesterday and it was talking about um, helicopter parenting and how we have mm. so much expectation put on us as parents. But it went mm. back to – had some stats – in 1975 and in 1975 it was kind of like yeah look we've got kids and they're in another room and they're kind of doing their own thing and they worked Mm. out that it was like eight hours a week like intense parenting in 1975 now it's 23 hours a week but we also have to work um, and in mm. 1975, that wasn't as much of a thing. The mum stayed home, but they just used to like get together with their girlfriends and have sherry's all afternoon. So they were pissed. <laughs> and, you know, and the kids were like, you know, making their own fun in another room. And now it's like there's this huge expectation as mothers, plus mm. working, plus running the yep. household, plus trying to be, um, you know, in a relationship. And what that kind of means is, is that to keep our hands on all of those different things, we kind of have to schedule ourselves to the nth degree. And as a result, we become a little bit controlling because we know that if we don't, the wheels fall off. Mm. And this is kind of a spin off from what I spoke about last time on the show about nagging. So this kind of actually ties in really beautifully mm. to that episode. If you haven't listened to that, definitely go back and check that out because I feel like that's really important. I read this awesome quote and it said something like um, your partner survives every day of their life before you came into their life. And I was like, ooh. Bam. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, did they though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. From where I'm sitting, this is a Neanderthal who cannot stack the dishwasher or pay a bill. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about that, right? And mm. to be like, "Ooh, okay. Maybe I don't need to check in on them every 5 minutes. Maybe I don't need to ask them if they're okay every 5 minutes, you know. Maybe I am being that helicopter partner." Yeah. And that's scary to think about, and it's also not hot. <laughs> it's really not hot because there's Nothing quite as unsexy as having to hold the dick of your partner while you're um, getting them to contribute to the household in a meaningful way and then expect that the sex is going to be fireworks. Yeah. And how this was showing up for me as an example, I have a female partner. Um, However, I was just taking on all of the things. I, I don't. I think it's a bit of a control thing. It's like, well, maybe you won't do it as good as me, so I'll just do it. She's very capable, mind you. Yeah. Um. You know, however, like I was realising I was organising all of our trips over here, flights, accommodation. I was taking the money out of the ATM. I was ordering all of our food on the apps. I was finding all the restaurants. I was getting all the directions. And then last week I was like, what? I feel stressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we do. Really, really stressed because I've just taken all of this stuff out of your hands. You should not ask me to do it. 
but like I'm letting my masculine energy that that's like the doing energy, right? I'm like in that all day like you for work. And then outside of work, I'm also trying to control that and trying to be in that energy all the time. A, that doesn't really allow her to be in her masculine. That doesn't give her the opportunity to to learn or to grow because, you know, if I allow her to do something, it's not done, quote, unquote, right. That's a learning for her. That's a lesson for her. That's growth for her. So by not allowing our partners to do things, we're denying them an opportunity to grow, to learn, to expand, to get things wrong and to be okay with that. And we're also like really tiring ourselves out. Totally. Yes. Tiring ourselves out by trying to control and do everything for them and, you know, with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so it is helicopter partnering because um, Mm. we're not – you know, the the whole premise behind helicopter parenting is is that we never let our – kids sit in any sort of discomfort or get them to be accountable for anything. And it's the same thing that we're transferring over to our partners. We're not allowing them to be uncomfortable with learning how to do something or being responsible for that. And look, mm. you know, in fairness, it takes two to tango. So, you know, the the flip side of that is, is that your partner's like, oh yeah, they can take care of it. And then it sort of becomes like a bit of an expectation. But at the same time, Then we go, oh, where is the romance? Where is the hot sex? Well, I've just been your mummy for, you know, (laughs) like the last five hours and now I'm supposed to submit to you. How does that work? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because when when we're in our masculine, when we're kind of really owning that energy all the time, then they're not they're not able to be in their masculine too because you can't. You can't really have two of those energies going at it at each other. It just doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of forced to be in their feminine, which is a passive kind of being energy, right? They they might not even know that you're doing all this stuff. They probably don't even notice. I was talking to a client yesterday. We were talking about this and she's like, oh, my gosh, I do do all the things. And my, but my partner's just so chill because, you know, he just goes along with anything. And I said, yeah, our partners are chill because they're not doing anything. Yep. So, of course, they're chill and they're just going along with anything because you're not asking them to do anything. You're not inviting them to do anything. So, they are in their feminine energy, which is a kind of like a quite a passive not doing energy, not taking initiative. So, if you're always in your masculine, you might find that your partner is like not initiating. Yeah, intimacy. They're not kind of, ch- you know, they're not kind of chasing after you for connection. Um, or if it is, it'll be in like a really passive way. So it kind of, it kind of affects everything, and we kind of don't even realize that we're doing it. I feel half the time. Hundred percent, absolutely. And I have over the last. It was when we talked about what we we're going to talk about today. I got really excited because it is something that I've been really. Um, you know, delving into myself in terms of my relationships and and that sort of thing and how much, um, you know, I really need somebody like my partner to be in their masculine and me be in my feminine because I have to be in my masculine so fucking much every week, you know. It's the last thing I want to do. You know, I don't want to keep organising when I'm at home. 
like I want someone to go, hey, babe, you know, we're going out to dinner. I've picked the place. I've booked it, you know. Then, yep, they're going to get lucky, like definitely because yes <laughs> yes because then because then we can surrender yeah. if my partner says hey i've organized dinner i know how we're getting there parking you be ready by seven that's it oh okay i'm chill i'm chill hot I'm getting ready by seven yeah you're taking me out i don't have to worry about anything you're sort of the whole thing out yeah like of course we're going to be more in the mood of course we're going to be more relaxed and most women need to be relaxed we need to be in that surrendered energy that feminine energy too open to intimacy so by by doing everything all the time and by being that organizing person we're really denying ourselves of that so let's talk about how to break out of this though because that was my next question it's yep this, this, is, this, is te- this i th- feel like for a lot of people listening will be terrifying 100 percent terrifying absolutely terrifying yep i'm all ease <laughs> so i think the the easiest way to start to do this is go for low-hanging fruit so something really easy that you can start to invite your partner into doing so that could be um i was saying to my a client yesterday maybe you hand over the shopping list to your partner yep you know all the shopping this you know this week i really would love you to do the shopping list and do the shopping and plan out our meals for the week and you have to be okay and let them make the mistakes and do things wrong and, you know, have that space for them to pr- maybe try it three or four times and it not be perfect or like you do it. However, there's that balance between like releasing and also we spoke about last time, like releasing that need to be perfect. It's okay if they miss the things, you know, they can go again, be patient. And just give them the little things that if shopping list seems like a massive task, maybe give them one meal a week to cook without your assistance, without your helicoptering. Right. Start with something really easy. Okay. Now, here's here's a scenario for you. What happens if you recognise that you've been helicoptering and you go, no, you know what? Like, you're going to do this task. And then you get badgered. Because the task is hard and the person possibly does not want to get out of their feminine. And then you feel guilty. What then? (laughs) (laughs) So then we communicate. (laughs) God damn it. There it is again. (laughs) (laughs) Then we talk about how we feel. You know, I understand that it's hard for you and... That makes me feel guilty and, you know, I really want you to take ownership of this. It's going to it's gonna free up my time. It's going to make me feel so happy. You know, tell them how it's going to feel when they do it, how it's going to feel. I understand your feeling and, you know, I can, ha- I can help you a little bit until you get used to it. Sometimes you have to, like, baby them a little bit, like not, not heli- in a helicopter way, but, like, do you need my help? How can I make this easier for you? So, like, really kind of step-by-step step if you need to, and then just slowly start to release that control. Yeah. But really, if they're struggling with it, you want to communicate how it's going to make you feel when, they, when they've done it. So talk about that end result, that end result, how you're going to feel. 
So the and worst thing we can do really is jump motivation. in and just go, it's quicker if I do it. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can say to them if you have that urge, I have the urge right now. I feel very frustrated. I have the urge to jump in and help you. However, I know that's going to deny you the opportunity to learn. So what I'm going to do is going to be over here. If you need my help, come and ask me. However, I trust that you can do this. I love it. And it's going to make me feel so free and easy once you've done it. You know? Yep. And you may get a really good blowjob out of it. There may be a reward. <laughs> <laughs> No promises, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Fascinating discussion. And one that I'm sure everyone at home is going, yup, yup, yup. Because just the way that it is now, like it's it's just to try and fit everything in, there is that need to control every second of every every day just so that you don't feel like you're spiraling out of control. But something has to give. And I think – with our primary relationships, as traditional as it sounds. And look, we're all about being the modern woman and yes, paying our own bills and, you know, all of that sort of thing. But there is something to be said for being able to surrender in our relationships and take off those boss pants and just just be able to just be. And yeah, I can really see that, you know, looking at my own behaviours, like I, I know I do it because it's like falling off a log. I've just finished work where I've been in charge of everybody and I come home and it's like, yep, I'll just keep going. I'll organise the dinner and I'll remind you to pay that bill and I'll get your script and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I'm robbing them of the opportunity to actually run their own lives. Yeah, and then they don't feel empowered. Like they, they don't feel like they have this, have the equal part in the relationship. Yeah, which is really impacting our connection and our opportunity to be intimate when they don't feel like they even have any say in it. You know, like when we're making all the decisions, when we're driving the direction of where we're going together, that can be really hard to be on the, the receiving end of that. And they might not express that. However, you know, it really does impact them quite a lot as well. So, Well, it does. And like- the, the crazy thing is, is that neither party wants it to be like this, but we're not having the conversations and bringing it to the table. Exactly. And I think we touched on it before as well. It's like, that being in control, like we probably don't even know we're doing it because we just do it so seamlessly throughout our normal day and we come home, we just continue that. However, like it really does have an impact. And yeah, I mean, I had this massive realization for myself last week and I was like, oh, I'm doing that thing where I'm trying to control everything and you. And yeah, we actually had a really, really good conversation with it. And my partner was like, yeah, I have kind of noticed that, but not like I just kind of let it go. But actually now we're talking about it, I really can see like what's happening. So it is just a matter of talking about it. Most partners are going to be really receptive of this. And it's something that you need to start unpicking and unpacking because this long-term, it's just going to, you know, I hear a lot of people that end up being flatmates in like a flatmate relationship. Yep. This, this kind of behavior, this energy, this is how you end up in a flatmate relationship because that is the the polarity, the dynamic isn't there. 
So there can't be any spark. There can't be romance. There can't be intimacy because your energy, your masculine feminine energy is all out of whack. So it's something really, really important that kind of just flies under the radar a lot of the time. Yeah. However, yeah, it's it's scary to look at that as well. <laughs> yeah, but completely necessary. Sindra, this has been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I know that a lot of people listening will be resonating with this and have the conversation, people, be brave. And hopefully at the end of the conversation, you can pack up your boss pants and put them to one side if you're in that energy. And, uh, yeah, you can put on your um, your hot overalls and, and, uh, and <laughs> you know, get into your masculine if that's you. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. <laughs> Sindra, thank you so much for joining us once again on After Dark. And I will let you get back to uh, Bangkok life. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks, my friend. People often buy toys for Christmas, then complain because they don't come with batteries. But but, but, don't they know the new toys the USB chargeable? Flirt Adult Store. Find us on Facebook or 90 Beaumont Street. Want to unlock your pleasure? Jasmine invites you to push past your limiting beliefs around sex and love. It's Conscious Sexuality. It's always an absolute pleasure to have Jasmine Carmen on After Dark. And usually, before we go on air, I talk to Jasmine about what we're going to talk about and drill down into it so I kind of sound, you know, half coherent. But today's topic really hooked me and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go in blind because I'm fascinated about what you have to say today, Jasmine. Hello, Louise. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Always a pleasure. Now, today you're going to talk about the big O, but yeah, yeah, three things that you wish you knew about orgasms before you had them. I am intrigued. (laughs) I always love it when I bring a topic to you and you get really excited by it because it gets me really excited to talk about it too. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I am. I'm like, what What could she possibly mean? What three things do we need to know about orgasms? I mean, they just happen and, and you know, off we go and everybody's happy. But you feel that there is some, there's some information that you wish you knew before experiencing that big O. Yes, that's right. And, Louise, you know me. I'm all about bringing the conscious into sex and sexuality. And and that's why I'm bringing this idea today and sharing some things that I wish I knew about orgasms before I started having them. And for anyone listening that maybe your sex education wasn't quite up to scratch and what you needed and you learnt about orgasms either through alternative resources, maybe you had to Google it or maybe it happened and you were all of a sudden going, okay, someone didn't tell me about this. We're often not equipped to know about orgasms when it comes to sex. Look, you're exactly right. And you've just given me a major flashback to my uh, year 10 PE course (laughs) with the old (laughs) banana and condom uh, chat. Delightful. And look... Honestly, since being in this role and facilitating these discussions about sex, 
Is it any wonder that we're in the state that we're in? Because the information that as teenagers we had in regards to, so it was all about the mechanics and not falling pregnant in PE classes. If we wanted to explore a bit more, there was porn, which as we know is just not realistic in any way, shape or form, unless you're watching ethical porn, which isn't the first thing that comes up on the browser, surprisingly. (laughs) And, you know, how do we actually have a good idea of how to navigate our sexuality? It It's really quite confronting and scary when you think about it and you think about these young people just bumbling around going, well, why isn't this working for me? That's right, Louise. And, you know, today young adults and teenagers are quite lucky that they have more information accessible to them but that's a blessing and a curse mm. because not only do they have access to more information, they actually also have more access to things that are going to have negative effects on their sex life. Mm. And having such readily um, able access to pornography that is not a healthy descri- description or depiction of, of what sex and orgasms do look like can cause, you know, um, a lot of negative experiences. So, you know, that even though technology is a blessing and a curse, you know, we want to make sure we're passing on the right information. And in the world of orgasms, there are a few things that are good to know before you start having them. Yeah, look, absolutely. I'm excited to dive in. And you're exactly right there. I mean, <laughs> you know, you watch porn and if you're a female and you're watching, you're watching porn, and you think to yourself, why can't I orgasm in two seconds? I don't understand. You know, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Exactly. And, and for anyone listening, if that is a genuine question that you have, it's because not everyone is made from the same cookie cutter. Some people can orgasm after two seconds, but some people need 45 minutes and all of it is perfectly acceptable and perfectly okay. Mm. Absolutely, it is. All right, let's dive in. All right, Right. number one. Mm -hmm. It's okay to only orgasm from your clitoris. Right, important point. It's really important to know this because a lot of, as we were talking about, pornography shows orgasms for a female as being from penetrative sex only. And our somewhat of a sex education that we're also passed on to is always, you know, pleasure from a penetrative perspective. Mm. But this is not the case. And as we've discussed here on the show previously, uh, 85% of women can orgasm only from their clitoris. It's a huge number. and It's a huge statistic. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I knew that you would have a percentage and I'm always excited by percentages, 85% clitoris-only orgasms. And, yeah, I think that that expectation of being able to orgasm from penetrative sex is it is the exception as opposed to the rule. That's right. Mm. Exactly. So for anyone listening – if you are only able to orgasm from your clitoris and you've been feeling like there's something wrong with you, that is absolutely not the case. 
you might want to bring in an extra toy or a vibrator or hand when it comes to penetrative sex if that's what you're loving and you want to be able to orgasm at the same time as your partner. Bring in something for external stimulation at the same time or just have two separate orgasms. You don't have to have penetrative sex to be able to call it sex and to have an orgasm. Mm. And we have over 10,000 nerve endings on our vulva, in our clitoris. And that is what they're there for. They are there to give us pleasure. And so it's perfectly normal. And if that's what you're loving, then just keep at it. 100%. And we also have um, many more nerve endings in the vulva and on the clitoris than men do. So we're, you know, we've been given this gorgeous little, you know, bundle of nerves that yeah. um, that are wholly and solely their only function is pleasure. So it would make sense that <laughs> that is the main source of our pleasure during sex. That's, yeah, that's right, exactly. And I'm not sure if you also know this uh, number, Louise, but men only have around 4,000 nerve endings. I did know that. I did. Yep. Yep. So that's a very drastic number drop compared to 10,000. It is. It is. <laughs> Go us. So that's number one, and I wanted to make sure that that was the first one that I highlighted, is that it's okay to only have clitoris orgasms. Mm. You're not broken. You're not malfunctioning. It's perfectly normal. And like we said, 85% of women, that's the way that they're orgasming. Love it. Okay. Number two. All right. The other really important thing that I really wish that I knew when it came to orgasming is that not everyone, like following on from number one, not everyone does orgasm from internal stimulation. Right. So when we're talking about clitoral stimulation for orgasm, that's the most common way that people tend to orgasm. And because of that, not everyone then orgasms from the internal stimulation. Sometimes we like penetrative sex, but we might not be getting the most pleasure from penetrative sex compared to somewhere else on our body. Mm. And it's really important that we know this when we're coming into having orgasms because like we touched on as well, media, porn, it all portrays that orgasms come from penetrative sex or internal stimulation, whichever one you want to call it. Mm. But this is not the case. Yeah. And, you know, if we think about the 85% of women who are only orgasming from uh, external stimulation, then that's a really small percentage that are only orgasming from internal stimulation. And it is, it is so fine. It is so fine if you are not orgasming from the internal stimulation. But what's actually really important in this figure Mm. is making sure that your partner, so if you're having a male partner, making sure that they're aware of this as well um, and that they know that internal stimulation or penetrative sex is not the only way to be intimate with their partner. Look, for sure. And, yeah, I I really do wish that, um, you know, more men were educated in that area that and not see it as a failure if their partner doesn't actually orgasm from uh, penetrative sex because, 
yeah, that, you know, you must be thinking as a male, if you don't have that statistic, you don't have that information, what am I doing wrong? And the answer in most cases is probably absolutely nothing and it still feels great, but it's not going to get me to the O and that's actually okay and I'm in the majority. That's 100% really important information when it comes to partnered sex and we're talking about, uh, you know, I guess in this instrument. Situation, we are talking about a pretty typical hetero relationship. Mm. Um, and not only is it important for a female to understand this, but it is as equally important that a male understands this as well. And they are missing a lot of um, education when it comes to how females receive pleasure uh, as well. Yes. And this is why we do what we do. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> okay. It is exactly. Last one. Number All three. Right. Hit me. Number three. All right. Forcing an orgasm doesn't work. No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) The more you chase an orgasm, the more it's going to run away from you. Oh, it's, yes. And it's up there with watching paint dry or waiting for the kettle to boil. The more you think about it, the more it's just not going to happen, girlfriend. (laughs) That's right, exactly. And absolutely no shame whatsoever to anyone listening. And maybe that this has been your way of doing things. This is not a shaming conversation whatsoever. But I want to share that forcing an orgasm doesn't work. The trick to being able to bring on an orgasm is actually knowing how to really connect deeply to your body and get out of your head. Focus on the pleasure, be in the moment, be really present and um, that is what is actually going to help stimulate an orgasm more than trying to mentally make it happen. It's really like a middle ground, isn't it? Because on one side, what's not going to make your orgasm is thinking about the shopping list, how you're going to get the kids to daycare, all of that sort of stuff. But then on the other side, if we fixate too much on the orgasm, it's not going to happen either. There's this middle ground we, we do. We have to find the sweet spot. Yeah, like a, we just have to be in that in that space to surrender to it. That's a great word, Louise. I love that. Surrender to it. Exactly. Thank you. Become <laughs> present and surrender to what's happening. And I think the other part of this as well is actually also just getting comfortable with maybe not orgasming sometimes. Yes. Yes. Because that does happen. And it's okay if it does happen. Um, it's happened for myself in other times. It's happened for my partner in other times. Um, it's just being comfortable that sometimes you don't orgasm, but that doesn't have to take away from your intimate experience. I really think that a lot of people put that as the um, – that's just the the whole point around uh, having sex. And we're missing out on – you know, all of these wonderful things like connection and intimacy and play and laughter and, you know, and, you know, you don't actually have to orgasm for sex to feel lovely and we put all of this pressure on it and therefore we think we're failing if we don't orgasm, we think about it too much, you know, all of this this pressure and we're missing out on so much good stuff that 
isn't connected to the actual orgasm. That is exactly right, Louise. If we take away orgasm as being the goal for sex, we're actually going to get so much more out of it um, and we're actually going to be able to really deeply and intimately connect with the person that we're with. Yeah. And there is nothing more beautiful than that, I believe. So if you have got anything out of this, it is that you just have fun, play, explore, connect, and let the orgasms take care of themselves. You have a little bit of a tip in that, uh, you know, 85% of us, it is the clitoris and, and not the vagina. And that doesn't make you a failure if you, you know, so inclined and you really want to give your partner that uh, soaring orgasm. But you know what? If you don't have one, who cares? You've still had the best fun you can have at home. That's right. Exactly, Louise. You've nailed it. <laughs> Jasmine, always wonderful to have you on After Dark and always a fascinating discussion. I thank you for this one, my friend. I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of it. You can find Jasmine on Instagram at Conscious Sexuality. Reach out and she does coaching and all sorts of amazing stuff and resources she has available. Make sure you check her out. Until next time, Jasmine. Thanks, Louise. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Well, boys and girls, I hope you found tonight's episode informative. And I think the word for tonight is surrender. Put away your boss pants, ladies, and let your man romance you into the big O that thanks to Jasmine and have a lot better idea of how to get you there. More gold to uncover next week. Same bat time, same bat channel here on Newcastle Live. I'm Louise Wilkinson, and you've been listening to After Dark.